scared from me these last couple of weeks. Uh, I had to re reach over to the West Coast to grab our uh, our good friend Greg from UHND. Greg, what's up, buddy? Josh, redo that whole thing. Oh, sweet. You started before, and it was like it, okay. uh, it's at starting, and I don't know what you got, so just start it over. All right, just tell me when you're tell me you're ready. Okay, I'm ready. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFD Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And with me tonight is Greg from UHND. Jude is running scared from me, so I had to reach over and grab one of my good friends on the West Coast. Greg, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing splendid, man. How you doing? I am sitting in the middle of an industrial wasteland. Uh... Or at least it should be an industrial wasteland. So uh, I do apologize to any of our listeners if things sound a little different and funny tonight. Uh, this isn't our my normal recording spot or equipment or pretty much anything. But such is the dedication that Greg and I have uh, to Notre Dame fans that uh, I think we're just going to battle through it. We're, we're putting in a lot more fight than Notre Dame had on uh, last Saturday night. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're coming on. Uh, we've got children, and we're coming on Halloween night. It's yeah, just been, a, been a long day. Literally, at any moment, there could be a massive siren go off for like a thirty-second, sixty-second stretch, or at any minute, one of Greg's kids could be crying, and he's got to go. We don't know. This is this is going to be a. This might get wild. So Def definitely. Speaking of wild, wild turkeys, buddy. The Hokies coming to South Bend. Look, I I think we could. I think everybody could probably do like five or six more podcasts and twenty more articles about what the hell happened in Ann Arbor. But the uh, the fact of the matter is that you know, things have to move on. We have to move on. And although there's no way in hell we'll ever forget what happened, and Really, we shouldn't forget. We, we, you need that to, to kind of see, you know, see where you're at. There's still another game at hand we, that could bite Notre Dame in the ass, um, you know, if they're not paying attention, and that's Virginia Tech. You think yeah, that'd be you, like a crime with, with, a, with a guy named Hooker biting somebody in the ass? <laughs> yeah, man. I, honestly, I, I, could, I couldn't even – even if I wanted to talk about last week anymore, I don't know that I could. Um, I didn't. I didn't write that much this week, mostly because <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't know what to say. I, I didn't know what angle to go with. Um, I started and stopped a, a column a couple of times. I just. I don't know where to come from it. I don't know how to really feel about this game. I could see it going like any number of ways. Um, that is kind of what business is useful, you know what I mean? Like, unfortunately, like, maybe, I think maybe there's an extra, an extra editorial or so, but, yeah, it's, it, really, I mean, it's in the middle of the season. It's, it's marching on time. We're in November. It's, uh, it's crunch time. That's right. That's right. So, um, I don't know. How, how do you, I guess, I'm curious. I haven't really talked to too many people about it. Like, how do you, 
how what is your take on like the mindset of the team and where like how do you think this plays out? Are we going to have like is this going to be like a November collapse type thing or are they going to like circle the wagons and actually come up with a like solid month of football here? I I actually think Brian Kelly does a pretty good job of circling the wagons. I think throughout his time, he, they, Notre Dame has had their back up against the wall a few different times um, coming back from situations like this. Uh, 2017 Stanford notwithstanding. Um, but uh, I guess I kind of see a similar reaction. Um, I, I hesitate to say this is going to be a lot like, uh, you know, it'd be like, like 2010 Utah, but <laughs> the weather might be close to the same. Um, <laughs> But I, but I mean, it, it, it's a situation similar to that. You know, you, you just had a ton of nasty just dumped on you. And, you know, they're in a tight spot. Because I, I got to tell you, if the offense, if the offense sputters and they got to, you know, do like a quick three and out, start the game, there's going to be 80,000 people booing, booing them down. Right or wrong, I'm just telling you what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a, they really, really, really have to get off to a good start just to keep the crowd into it. I mean, I think because I think once the crowd turns on, the crowd turns on a little bit, then they're going to be thinking about it. it. It's a it's a tough situation because you want to tell Notre Dame fans like, look, chill the f out. Going to get in their heads if you're getting on them, but yet here they are spending their money to go <laughs> to go watch these guys, and they're just. They don't want to see another egg being dropped, you know? Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting. So, like, once once a team gets it in their head that, A, maybe they're not that good. Like, maybe they're not as good as they think. And, B, like, the season for them and what they wanted, like, all the goals that they talked about, like, working into the season, they're gone. Yeah, they don't exist anymore. Um, so, like a major goal. There are still some. Yeah, oh yeah, for minor, sure. You know the, the home winning streak, uh, double digit wins, but like nobody's going out there to like win ten wins. You know what I mean? Like ten wins is not the battle cry uh, for a Lowy Gilman. Yeah, like when you wake up at like six in the morning, no one's talking about the home winning streak. You know, right? It's like we're doing this to win a national championship. We're going we're doing this to like make the playoffs. And that's gone. And you just think about like Virginia Tech is how much different are they from Virginia or Louisville? And both those games, you know, Notre Dame down at halftime against Virginia uh, against uh, Virginia and it was uh 21-14 at halftime at Louisville and you know, at, at those moments in those games, it's like we're not going to panic because, you know, we're still a good team. We are a playoff team. We will come through when we need to, and they did. But if you're down 17-14 to Virginia Tech at halftime and, you're, and you know you're not a playoff team and you just got destroyed the week before, it takes on a whole different mentality, like you said, Absolutely. just in the stadium, like just there. And the players, it's like, are you are you really digging deep as much as you can? And it's like it's just a it's just a human natural reaction. 
right? And, it's not that they don't fan, want it. And I really think fans are, I, I think they're in a different spot. Like Vegas has Notre Dame 17 and a half point favorites for Saturday, which to me is extremely high just given the history of Notre Dame and, and you know, what, what just happened. So right. fans are probably, I think, are, are on my side with that, thinking that it's still probably going to be a 10, 11-point win if, the, if Notre Dame wins. Mm-hmm. So, but because, because Vegas has got that so high, that also gives a little less leeway for when things are slipping around for, when that, for that crowd to really start turning on you. Like you said, you go down 17, 14 at halftime, there, there isn't a rally from the crowd. There's a, what the hell? Yeah, like they're not, the crowd isn't fighting for it because they're not, they're not invested either. Right. You know, like no one is going to the stadium with that nervous energy that a crowd can have. Like no one has that. They're all there. A, they're all going to be complaining about the week before. And B, they're all going to be griping, you know, like, what, what are we going to see here? If they see any evidence that this team is not sharp at any oh, point, right. like, it doesn't matter. Like, if they go up 14 nothing, if they go three straight drives with punts or something, fans it's are going to get all like, yeah, they're, well, let's go, what's going on? I think the only way that it goes well for them, you remember um, – in 2011, when they lost to USC, and Brian Kelly gave that quote afterwards and was like, I just need to get my guys in here. Yeah. The very next week, they just came out and destroyed Navy. Now, it's Navy, but it's like they played like like we're pissed off. And I think that is the type of thing, is like kind of the only way that the crowd is actually like into it. Well, let me ask you this: something that something that stood out to me um, against USC, and then you know I mentioned it to a few people, and they just kind of like chuckled about it. And then you watched the Michigan game, and to me, it it my observation was, I think even more astute. And it, it against USC, something I noticed, you know get a turnover and Julian Aquara is right there to like block on a return on the return on a, I can't remember if it was an interception fumble, whatever the hell it was. And he doesn't own lay, like literally puts his arms up in the air and like backs away to not touch a guy. And to me, that stood out like, what the hell are you doing? Like right. There's a free chance to just lay somebody the hell out and you're Olaying a guy. And then, you watch Michigan, you watch the effort that Aquara gave, you know, against the run. I mean, oh, my God. I mean, it was – there was no effort. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just like where is – where are our stars' mindsets at? You know, the guys that were supposed to produce for this team, Julian Aquara, Ian Book. I mean, Jafar Armstrong can't even find the damn field, regardless of an injury report that said he was fine, you know, two weeks ago. You know, where are the my you know, where is their mindset? Where is the hunger? I mean, it, no duh that they went up to Michigan and laid an egg. You know, if you go up in that weather against a rival night game on the road and you don't have that kill them all attitude, hell yeah, you're gonna get your ass handed to you. I mean, it, 
hindsight's twenty twenty, but things things from the season started to add up to me that I saw Saturday night. Like all the little things that I brush aside because you know maybe you're up a couple touchdowns or what or whatnot. But it's just like it's kind of like the stigma that Notre Dame has had over the years, anyways. Like there's just not a hunger or a desire. And I, I'm not trying to go like full macro on the situation. You know, sometimes, you know, it's true. Sometimes 18 to 21 year olds just play a shitty game. You know, they mm-hmm. lay a damn egg. And, but at the same time, you can't completely ignore that kind of stuff. I don't, I, I agree. I agree with you. Like I wrote, um, I think it was the day after the game or two days after the game about the captains. And, you know, it's like 2013, the captain situation. Yeah, like save for Hainsey, who I think is playing well. It's hard for me to like evaluate offensive linemen just because I, I it's a kind of foreign position to me. Um, but I get a sense that he's playing well. Uh, but but besides him, what what captain is having like a great season? You can't name one. No, I mean. You know, my boy Jalen Elliott not having a good year. No. He has, he's, he's been a liability in coverage. So all the intangibles of a captain that he still has inside of him, that, it's hard. I was a captain. And when you're having a shitty night, it's hard to be a captain on a shitty night when you're having a shitty night. Because, you know, you're inside your own head, you know, about things that you're doing, you know, trying to make sure that, that you're playing your best. It's hard for you to get up. You know, that's why your best players have to be your captains. I mean, it, it's too hard for, you know, I know that's, uh, I'm not knocking down Jalen Elliott, but I, I know exactly what you're saying here. Like, who, who, is, who is being captain? You know, who is, the, who is the man out there? And Kelly gave the explanation of, you know, they're, they're better leaders as a group. All right, well, <laughs> then tell the group to get their shit together. <laughs> yeah, like, I... I... I heard him say, you know, they're they're better as a group. You know, that's why we needed seven, and, and that's fine. You know, uh, whatever. the The thing is, is I I was a captain too, and when you're a captain, it's like you you can't you do play poorly sometimes, but you kind of can't. Like your poor play has to be like above everybody else, and that's just the responsibility of it. And when you have seven, it's like, okay, maybe maybe two of you can have like a kind of a down game, but it can't be like six of them. Because like you said, they're your best players. You're only as good as your best guys. Like it doesn't matter if Asmar Bilal and Drew White are playing better than you think. If Ian Book, Julian Aquara, Jalen Elliott, Khalid Kareem, all those guys, if they're all playing down, it doesn't matter what Asmar Bilal does. It doesn't. He can't, they can't lift up the whole team. And they're not supposed to because they're not captains. That's not how it works. If you are a captain, you are responsible for everything that, that happens out there. That's just what comes with it. And it's one thing if you, if you have like a bad game or something to that nature. Like, we could, we could eliminate the Michigan game. Just take the Michigan game, like, away. 
You still can't name like you have Virginia in the second half or whatever. And that was Julian Aquara's moment. And that's basically it. You can't name another time. And the thing with this team is not just going into November, but or like just what's happened this season and going into November, the teams that they play are not great, but we have to be honest about the fact that this isn't the number nine team or the number eight team. They haven't played at a high level this year. No, the I can't. Offense, the offense hasn't at all, like not one time, but save for not, bowling. No, not, in New Mexico. no and, I, and I say not even that because those should have been even bigger. I mean, as ludicrous as it sounds on 52-point games, I still felt I still felt during both games that there was issues. And I was shouted down at by some people, but you can't unsee what you see. You can't you can't keep noticing that Ian Book is not throwing to wide open receivers flying down the field. It's, it's just I mean, how many times you got to see it before you realize this is a huge problem. You know, and so yeah, it's time. <laughs> this is a this is not a this is not a top ten team right now. No. Ugh, that, that, you know, and that's a that's a difficult thing to, for the hopes and aspirations I think a lot of us had, and for what we had coming back, for us to say that this is not a top ten team going into our first game of the week, first weekend of November is a rough thing to say. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was talking to um I was talking to my dad this week and he was asking me like what what can they like what could they have done against Michigan? And and it's not just Michigan, like the whole like I said you could look at the whole season. It what do they have to do? Like they just they have to raise their level of play, just period. I mean, what we're we're at a situation where our quarterback doesn't really know who's open all the time. I mean, we're we're not even like we went into the season wondering like is he gonna start to stretch the field? He it's like that. I wish that was still the problem. You know, like yeah, if that was still see. what was going on, that'd be great. And what what do you think about that stat that PFF took put out that he's the best deep ball passer? I, I, don't, I don't like. I don't understand. I don't. Where do they get this from? Like I I don't. I saw it and I thought. I don't. I don't know what to make about and, this. And unfortunately, I probably didn't put out. I didn't put off the vibe of joking enough because I put it several Facebook, Instagram, a few places. You know, like Ian Book is the best deep ball passer in college football. Yeah, like yeah. Like I'm trying to have uh, people weren't really buying. I was having fun with that. But I mean, I think there's that. I think it's if they, it's a thrown ball twenty yards or more. Like not not like a, not like one of their shovel passes or like that. It's an actual ball. That travels in the air for 20 yards and a minimum of 25 attempts. Well, a lot of those guys have thrown a lot more deep balls. But honestly, when he does throw it, yeah, there there is more success. He does have fairly decent success. That's the that's the most frustrating thing is that if you just throw it a little bit more, maybe things would you know would loosen up everywhere else. You know, I, I don't know, but if you can't see a re- if you can't see the receivers, you're not going to throw the ball because you have no idea where they're at. Well, all I know is they are 65th in the country in 40 yard pass plays with five, 
And just off the top of my head, three of three those of them. came yeah, three. against uh, New Mexico. So, I mean, so that makes two. I mean, it's not, we're not throwing the ball down the field. That's not happening. We're not throwing the ball short. We're not throwing the ball intermediate. We're not doing any of that stuff. No, we're not doing anything. And then, I mean, when it comes to the run, I, I can't figure the running game out to save my life. You know, and that, this is—I don't know if it's a this is a Jeff Quinn problem, just an offensive line play problem, a Chip Long problem, but something just isn't right. You know, like when they were still trying to get—I mean, I mean, how many times was Tony Jones supposed to like run a slow draw, slow read off the left side? How many times are going to run to the left side for crying out loud? Mm-hmm. They're just—I just, mean, Michigan just peed off on that. Like, how telltale can you be? How uncreative can you be in in your running game? Like, the the running game is, like, PAL-level sophistication right now. Mm -hmm. And they would be better better suited just going to a – if they're going to run the ball, just go to a straight power run. Shit, go to the eye. You probably gain more yards than what you're doing now. It sounds silly and simplistic, but – I think a lot of people would agree with me. Just watching the way that they run the football, you know, how the hell did we get 300 yards against USC? Yeah, it's, I, it's, well, I mean, now that I say that out loud, it's because a lot of the plays were right. There's with Tony Jones Jr. It was a straight, straight handoff. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a lot of delayed, you know, zone, zone read kind of stuff. It was a straight handoff, and. You know, if you don't have a healthy Javar Armstrong, if he's doing whatever, and you got a couple of power backs and Jones and Smith, you just got to kind of go to that, right? Yeah. I mean, the thing about USC is they, they'll play, they'll, they'll play you straight. I mean, well, I mean, they were doing things to, to take, to take, take away the passing game and all that. So it opened up. A lot of running lanes. Right, and, they, and they'll do it straight. Like, the, USC will play as if Ian Book is the Ian Book of last season. And so that's obviously a benefit to Notre Dame, right? Because then they're just – the matchups are more favorable. Michigan's not going to do that. Michigan, no, and, Michigan, and especially not in the rain. And, and it's like, you know, the rain is a factor. It, 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 it shouldn't have been the factor, right? Um, and the other, But the, the other part of that, too, is like – Chip Long's got to make some adjustments. You know, Michigan made some adjustments. Like, they made some little tweaks. You go back and look. Notre Dame's got eight in the box. They got eight all the time. And they're just getting run down their throat. Because Notre Dame's slanting. They're slanting out of plays. You know, a couple big run. The big run that was... Um, right, like the very a first one. on the back side was just yeah. playing play terrible. Like yeah, you were the back, you're the backside defender, while coming off those slants, you got to be there against the run and just completely allowed himself to get took out of the play on the backside. Exactly, and so you got you got that situation, and then you know Michigan, they just see a little something, and they're like, oh okay, we can, we can manipulate them and get this backer out of here, and then we can run behind the other one. Like no, what Notre Dame's not doing any of that stuff. They're just running their stuff. And they're saying, so they're running their stuff and saying, look, we have matchups outside. 
This is what Brian Kelly says. Like, look, we can throw the ball. We have the matchups to do it. And you know what? He's not wrong. They did. But the problem is his quarterback either isn't seeing it or he's seeing it and he's not throwing it. And, you know, I mean, look, but Ian Book didn't play that much different against Michigan than he did against Georgia. Because Georgia, there was what? One one touchdown drive? Like a long one? You know, yeah. the other one was uh, when they recovered the the, the uh, punt. Yeah, Chase Clifford will go get yeah. that so, like, yep. so there were two games there against solid defenses where the offense didn't really have much. And the biggest difference was the defense was a complete disaster. All right, so we completely, like, went against <laughs> keep bringing up this Michigan game, which I guess is just there's nothing we're going to be able to do, right? Do or say or feel. Well, I don't know. I don't so, know. It's going to get another game under their belt. Like, we have to see them come out and play. Like, play. Like, play hard. You know, play Chris, play assignment football. I mean, we have to see it now, right? Because it's. There's no way we can get this this shit out of our head. Yeah, like how how can I how can I go into Virginia Tech and feel like I'm going to see something? It's not like Michigan wasn't really an outlier. It only was for the defense. That's all. It wasn't an outlier for the offense. Right. I, I think you, they, you go ahead. No, I was going to say they they said it really well. I think Tim O'Malley said it really well on the Irish Illustrated podcast when he said uh, that. You know, the offense played horribly, and the defense let us down. And there's a big difference between the two. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, the offense was not good enough to win the game. The offense, was, it would have it ended up like the Georgia contest, honestly. But they absolutely killed the defense. I mean, like, Shea Patterson is a trash quarterback. He really is. He is a trash quarterback. Right. And, and played – Almost as poorly as Book, but because he's so reckless, he was able to <laughs> he was able to you know have a couple of miracles happen because Troy Pride is having an awful season himself and other and there's other reasons. But you know they like let you know Notre Dame's defense let a trash quarterback off the hook. You know every mm-hmm. time he got back to pass, there was pressure, but they, but because of misassignments, poor coverage, penalties. You know, you, you name it, they just kept letting them off the hook. And that's just – that is definitely not the sign of a great defense. You know, they, they should have – if anything, that game should have been like, you know, a 10-3 ball game. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. there's no way – there's no way that, that Michigan should – Michigan is not that much better than Notre Dame. They're not 45-14 better than Notre Dame as far as talent goes and all that good stuff. This that's what I think what makes this even more because we just, this isn't like Clemson. We just we couldn't sit around and start pointing at talent and recruiting and intangibles that you know that are still a couple of years away, you know, so to speak. You know, this was a team that was very comparable in talent and wasn't really playing all that well. And you would they beat you up. They literally beat you up. And so that's the most damning thing. It's like this wasn't Alabama crushing you. This was Michigan crushing you. Yeah. And the way in which they did it. So with Virginia Tech coming to town, I mean, what do you I mean, 
what do you expect to see? Let's just, let's just say out of Notre Dame's defense. I mean, I think a lot of people around the program and covering the program feel that Notre Dame is going to, the defense is going to respond very well this week. Like they are going to be up for the challenge and that Clark Lee is going to be able to rally the rally these guys and get them to play a lot better than what they did. Or conversely, there's still a whole lot of question marks with Chip Long and and the offense. So, you know, what do you expect to see from from the defense this this week? I think the defense will revert back to what they've been all year, because the Michigan game for them was an outlier. Like that was not no one saw that coming, and I don't think we'll see that again this year. I don't. I don't think we will. I think they will bounce back. I mean, even if you look at like Aquara, who isn't playing, having the best year. Like Khalid Kareem isn't either, but his effort is is very good. And I mean, I think or not, it's just not a stat-filled year. I think he's doing. He, he's playing quite well. I, they, look, I think they really miss Dalen Hayes right now. To be honest with you, uh, I agree. I he's think that really was a bigger hit than any of us let on. Because of the depth, and, and because Jameer Jones, really, Jameer Jones probably should be starting against Virginia Tech, to be honest, in place of Aquara. But I think Dalen Hayes over on that side would have been out there a lot more than Aquara against Michigan, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but anyways, I bet the defense is definitely, I think we're in agreement there. Michigan was an outlier. And, I mean, are you... I mean, Virginia Tech's kind of an enigma, right? Like, they did their quarterback switch. They went to Hendon Hooker. He had a knee injury, um, a pretty bad knee sprain. They've had a week off, the bye week. Um, he's ready to go, supposedly healthy. Pretty mobile, got a strong arm, not fairly accurate. Doesn't turn the ball over like Ryan Willis was turning the ball over. Mm. They don't really run all that well. Um, I mean, they have a, a pretty good running back in McLeese, um, I, which I, I like a lot. I like McLeese a lot, but um, they're just they're scoring quite a bit, but they haven't really played anybody either. Like they're played a lot of like Fordham and or Furman and Rhode Island, and they got right. their ass handed to them by Duke. Uh, Miami's not a good Miami team. Uh, North Carolina, I mean, they're they're just they're fighting for you know Mac Brown and Les Miles should be like co-head coaches of the year. <laughs> I mean, honestly, God, I mean. You get your two old timers that everyone put out to pasture, and they went to these programs that were disasters, and they're putting up big fights, right? Like, mm-hmm. but anyways, I'll save my Les Miles, Mac Brown uh, <laughs> rants for another time. <laughs> but yeah, they just don't. Virginia Tech just seems like always the Virginia Tech that we've that we've known. Like they're not quite explosive, but they're dangerous enough to hurt you. Yeah, random eight and four, seven and five type team. Right. And you're, you know, you win eight games. You're good enough to win eight games. Um, They're not super talented. It's one of those teams that, like, Notre Dame has a talent advantage over them and they're at home. But if you don't play very well, like, they're good enough to be in the game. You know, the, the gap between Notre Dame and Virginia Tech is not as big as the gap between, like, Notre Dame and Georgia talent wise. Um, so, look, and Notre Dame is the better program, I mean, in theory. So, 
I mean, not in theory. They are. Let's, they are. You know, I, Michigan, like the Michigan thing notwithstanding, like Notre Dame has had a better program than them for the last three years. Um, so, you know, but like these teams, just like Virginia, like I said, like Virginia, Notre Dame could have lost to Virginia. You know, they stepped up and made play the second half. But, right. um, you know, so like, look, Virginia Tech is is like fine. You know, they'll probably end up, let's see, they got Notre Dame, then Wake Forest. I mean, they'll probably be eight and four, seven and five, something like that. So, um, I mean, they still got a chance to win the Coastal. They I do. mean, that, that beautiful disaster of a, of a division. Uh, I mean, just about everybody in the Coastal has a, has a real chance of, at winning it. But, yeah. I mean, they do, which makes Notre Dame kind of a weird game for them midseason because they're in the mix with the Coastal. This game doesn't really mean – I mean, it does because it's Notre Dame and, mm-hmm. and teams still use that as like kind of a mile marker or whatever you want to call it. But at the same time, for their season, it's, it's – I, I think uh, the guy from the Richmond Times was on the, uh, the pot of gold extra with, with Carter and Tom Noy. And what he said made a lot of sense. Like everybody pretty much chalked Notre Dame up to a loss preseason for for Virginia Tech. And he doesn't really think that's changed, but they're having a a decent enough season where they have a chance to win the Coastal, and that's far more important. So, like, a win here would be great and be good for the program and good for Justin Fuente, who really needs a big win, to be honest with you. But this isn't like the go-get-em kind of a team that, that Notre Dame's used to uh, you know, with that target, you know what I mean? Like we've mm-hmm. seen teams, we've seen teams show up to make their season to beat Notre Dame. Well, in Virginia Tech's case, this isn't really their seat. This isn't their season. This is just kind of a, a, you know, extra spice as I like to say. Yeah. This is how I feel about it. Virginia Tech can go to, to South Bend and they can play well and they can still lose. Whereas if Notre Dame plays well, then they cannot lose. Like, that's the type of team that Virginia right. Tech is. And basically, it, that's kind of what it comes down to. Against, like, every team that they play from now on, if Notre Dame plays well, they will win all these games. No one will outplay them if, if they're playing, you know, as well as they can. So that's how I, that's how I look at it. Um. You know, you were talking about the defense. What I, I, I'm only, I'm only really thinking about the offense. Like, how do we get it to the point where the offense it starts to resemble what it could have, you know, in the preseason, what we saw last season, and right, I mean, what, what's this? What is it supposed to resemble? I mean, we're in year. Honestly, God, we're in year three of Chip Long, and and I know we've had good. We've had good offenses, and they've been explosive at times, but I, I still don't get that general sense, you know, of a, and, you know, call it identity or, you know, or call it whatever you want, but I, I, I won't go, I won't be as ridiculous as to call it just kind of like a grab bag offense, but it, to me, it feels like a grab bag offense. I mean, really, ever since Kelly's gotten to Notre Dame, the offense has always felt like, Remember how Charlie Weiss used to always talk about, well, they're going to do this, so we're going to do this. Like, other teams are dictating to them on how to run their 
their offense. Mm. And I just, I think that takes a, that means that you don't really have an identity. I mean, you're a counterpuncher, but you know, counterpunchers don't win championships. I mean, does that make sense? No, I do. I mean, it, it, there is a, there is a thing of like, we are going to run our stuff and you know, it, there, there is some, some give and take there. I, I feel that's how teams that Notre Dame is supposed to beat, but end up losing to. I feel that's how Notre Dame loses to these teams is that these teams are just say, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to show up and we're going to run our offense. I mean, look at Navy for God's sakes. Or, you know, or even outside of Navy, you know, we're going to run our stuff and see if they can stop us. And some, and you know, there's just, there's games where you can't. And it's like, Hey, we didn't have to do anything different or special. We decided to play our game the best way that we can play it. Whatever that game is. I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to be like, we need to run the ball more. Or, yeah, I, I'm not trying to get real specific. I'm just trying to say, what is the style? What is, what can you hang your hat on? And because right now, you know, after a game like Michigan, there's things you need to hang your hat on. You know, there's things that you need to rely on that you know are there. And I just don't think Notre Dame has any of that left in them right now. They don't have anything on offense. I mean, when you're still trying to, th- r- r- to throw screens that have never worked, like, I'm still trying to figure out why you're calling those fucking things. Do you think that's indicative of the talent level of the roster? I don't. To run a, to run a proper screen? No, just the, 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 what, like the overall, what you're talking about, how they, no, they I kind don't. of allow the other team to dictate what they're doing. I think that is coaching. That one, I think there is plenty of stuff. I'm not one that, that I think there is plenty of stuff that the players do that they can be rightly criticized for. And I, I will justly point those out. But I'm not one of those guys that solely put things on coaching. But at the same time, there are some, there are some massive coaching errors in my mind that are going on. I mean, I'm, the screen calls, I'm telling you, that is the most baffling thing to me. Is like you have not run screens well since I can't remember. And you're still trying to call three or four a game. Like there is better plays to be called. But it's a, to me, it's just a wasted not only is it a wasted play, it's a, da- a bad screen is a dangerous play. Yeah. My thing is why, why can't they run one competently? I, that's I what, guess that's I, what I don't understand. I just think they're not being coached well enough. Well, that right. I, I mean, piss poor teams can run great screens. It, it, it isn't a there is a rocket science there. Maybe they don't practice it enough. Maybe they do it a, a few times and it's in the it's in the playbook and in the play sheet that week, and it just, which to me just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Like, the you know a screen is is all about time. You know, and you would think Ian Book would be a quarterback to get it there, but I mean it. It's not really the past. It's the linemen are getting out there. You know, watching Aaron Banks let a guy come across his face. Well, I think it was Louisville. It was the first game of the year. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, exploded. You know, we're still pissed about that play. Like, how are you letting the guy come across your face like that? So, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it is more of a combo than just a coaching thing. But I think at some point too, you're halfway through the season. There's shit you just got to throw out the window. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what you thought in fall 
is not what's it's probably not what's happening in November or you know when you thought in August isn't happening in November. Yeah, the reason I brought up the talent thing is I was thinking about the USC game and this is on defense. If if USC was to play Alabama this year, would US would would Alabama come up with a defense specific to that USC team the way that Notre Dame did? Or would they just do what they what they do? Uh, I think because because USC's talent level is so high, it is at, high at wide receiver, especially. Yeah, I think Alabama because Nick Saban's a good coach and and hires good coaches. I, I think that they would have to make do something different than what they normally would. I mean. Having three wide receivers out there who can just kill you—that that's what that literally is one too many. You can deal with two, but having three running around is a different monster. And so you have to you have to come up with something there. And that, that's why teams like Alabama are so good because they're so loaded in talent. They can, you know, they can make smaller adjustments than what a team like Notre Dame has to do uh, to win those games. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. So I, I get what you're saying. I get. I clearly get what you're saying. And I, I think the answer is a little grayer than than one or the other. Right. Like I, I like I think it was smart. It was exactly what I wanted them to do, actually, because it's the only way you get beat is if you let USC just throw the ball over top of you. And so I, I they did exactly what I wanted. I just like. I was thinking, man, it's kind of depressing that, like, we think USC stinks, but we are also, like, super terrified of them to the point where it's like, we are letting you, we will let you run for seven, eight yards of carry if you want to just keep doing it. And, of course, USC doesn't have the discipline to keep doing it, and whatever, you know, thank I, you very much. I think that's the problem. I think... I think many of us, and these are, these are my feelings, I think USC stinks because they're poorly coached. Right. Oh, they I absolutely think, are. I think, you know, I, I think USC fans will tell you that, you know, right off the bat. I think their talent level is, is good enough for them to be a really good football team, mm. but they are completely getting screwed over by their coaching staff. And so, you know, but there's going to have, there going to be some games where their talent's going to outshine their coach, you know, like, their coaches are gonna fuck. They're they're gonna bail out their coaches because of their skill level. They've already done that this year, anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? of course, definitely. You know, USC is just a different monster right now because of that. Like, like they, you know, if we had USC's coaching staff, we'd have two more losses right now. You know, what well, I mean? we'd have a lot more than two more losses because <laughs> because their because their staff is risen up by what their talent level is. I mean, that's all it is. If they, if, if they decrease, like they are, USC is five and three. They're being popped up talent level. Yeah, five and th- the USC is five and three with the number four team talent in the country. Like Notre Dame is 15 or 16 or something. I mean, that's, that's a big drop. And, and it's, it's a big drop in that the difference between 15 and four 
is really big and the difference between like 15 and 30 isn't that big. So as I own like, Oh my God, like they, they would be, I mean, we're talking about, I mean, the, the two losses, I bet you they, they would have lost the opening game to be honest with you. They would have lost to Louisville. Anytime they and go look, on the road, it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, so. and in hindsight, I mean, Louisville's a, I won't say a good team, but they're a decent team. They're they're a team that would beat a bad a bad program. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're a dangerous team right now. Yeah. They're a team that, that believe they're definitely a team that believes in themselves because of the the massive turnaround and and of just like sheer like want to from the coaching staff and what they had. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, when the coaching staff's quitting on you, then the team's quitting on you. So, uh, so well, I mean. Well, let's kind of wrap this up just a little bit here. What do you expect? Let's get a prediction. Get, kind of give me your, give me a wide picture prediction here of uh, Notre Dame Virginia Tech this weekend. Uh, prediction. I'll, I'll bet you. I'll bet you. It's like it's just like the um, uh, Louisville and Virginia games. Like I'll bet you Notre Dame wins something like thirty-five twenty. 35, 17, something like that. And and just to like kind of put a bow on like what I want to see or what I expect to see, I, I kind of want to see, and I'm I'm curious to hear what you think about this too. I, I kind of want to see Notre Dame play a lot faster on offense. I feel like We're, everything is super deliberate. Faster, like temp, with tempo? Yeah, tempo. I, I feel like everything is super deliberate. I feel like there's heat. I feel like book is kind of overloading himself pre-snap. He's not really seeing things clearly. I think he needs to I think he needs to speed it up. And just get just get like look, play football, go out there, get a call, get everyone lined up and go. And I, you know, I get the sense that that's kind of what the plan was. And I keep going back to this opening drive against Louisville. And everyone after the game was like, the whole offense is going to be catered around Armstrong and Tony Jones and, you know, one tight end and two receivers out there. And I don't know why they wouldn't just go back to that. I just don't know if they have the personnel to do it right now. I mean, mean, do we honestly know what's what's up with Jafar Armstrong? I I don't. I don't. That to me is like the British. Right, but and yet they say that, and then against USC, he barely played. Against yeah. Michigan, he barely played. Tony Jones Jr. gets banged up. You know, he's something with his ribs. I, I So where's the personnel? I mean, I, but I think I don't, you could do the. You could do. I mean, they had Avery Davison against Michigan. I don't know. He has a carry. I really don't get that stuff. I do not. No, I just don't know why you just don't hand. I mean, you're better off trying to give it to. And it's not Jameer, it's Jamir. I'm Jamir, Jamir, yeah. Jamir Smith. Why, why aren't you giving it to Jamir then? I mean, Avery Davis is a wasted carry at that point. In that weather, in that environment, they just there was nothing that he was not going to. He's just not that back. He's not Chris Tyree. Replicate, you can replicate Tony Jones with Smith. You can't replicate Jafar. You right, and that's the and that's the problem is that. If that was, if this was the case, if 
you know, and we and I was I was there at Louisville at halftime after the game. Everybody was kind of looking at each other, wide eyed about, you know, this was the offense. This was the offense, and I'm thinking, if Jafar is the only back you have that can do that, how in the hell was this your main? I mean, don't you, you have to have a backup plan then? I mean, this is a guy who hasn't been able to stay healthy. And I, whatever their backup plan was for no Jafar just has not clicked. I, I understand what Long's trying to do with, with Jafar and Tony, and I'm all for it. I mean, we saw two back sets last year just a couple of times, you know, and I was, you know, in love. And, mm-hmm. But the personnel isn't there. You know, you let Autry Denson stay on staff two, two years too many. The talent, the talent is not there to run that stuff. So you have to figure out a different way to do it. You know, well, maybe, I'm, maybe look, I'm not getting paid millions to, to be an offensive coordinator. I can't, I, I can't tell you exactly what that is, but I can tell you that whatever it is that they're doing is not working even in the slightest. Maybe that's why, but like you said before, it, everything looks kind of hodgepodge. Maybe that's why. Maybe they didn't really have a good plan B. For being efficient, you know they had they had obviously a, a bunch of personnel groups, but in terms of efficiency, maybe maybe the Jafar package was just what they needed, like what their plan was. It obviously was. I mean, they <laughs> they opened the season with it, and then we haven't seen it ever since then. It's crazy. You know, we have two weeks. The last two weeks, of Jafar Armstrong, who's gotten in the game, but yet he's just not healthy enough still to do whatever they're asking. I mean, if he was, I, I'm pretty sure they would have tried to give him the ball a few more times. But he just, they just didn't. It's so strange. You can't put him out there? I put him out there. Like, I put him out there, but then they're not using him. Like, I don't know, like, what are you doing? I don't, I don't quite get what exactly is going on here. Jafar Armstrong is kind of, he's kind of a warrior. Like, you know what I mean? So, you know, if he if they if they're not trusting him at all because of his health, then why are we even trotting him out there? Why are we playing, you know, the runaround with the info? And I mean, I I I get the bullshit about not putting out too much stuff to whatever. All that crap aside, that really doesn't matter. I mean, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> the sad thing is those arguments. I'm not sure. You know, and I'm not sure how much that helps Ian Book or not. I mean, would a Jafar Armstrong, how did Jafar Armstrong and the two-back package help Ian Book when they do throw the ball and there's someone flying down the seam, yet he's looking at the five-yard out that's double-bracketed, and then not figuring out what to do, taking off running, and then instead of throwing the fucking ball away, steps out of bounds, yeah. you know, two yards. I mean, it's, it is, there is a lot of things going on with Ian Book that are wrong. And he is not, he's not using his head out there at all. Mm. Like he's not seeing things. He's not, he's not thinking things. I, I, I just don't know. And it's been brought up many times, you know, that he's, you know, for lack of a better word, he's been broken since the Northwestern game. Yeah. You know, since he got injured, he's been, it, I'm not, this is that isn't a that isn't a mark against like how tough he is or any of that shit. I'm not I'm not trying to call him out in that sense at all. 
But at the same time, like something is going wrong. Something went wrong, and he hasn't been the same since. Yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't it feel like we're like we're like there's a question in our heads about it. We're running around in circles, like like there's. I said it like we. I did a podcast with uh, Brendan like, right after the Michigan game, like mm-hmm. twenty minutes, the game, and it was like we have no answers. You know, all we have are questions, and I still feel that way. But I think that's because there's a there hasn't been a game played since then, and b we have all this other evidence from the season, and even you know looking back, you know last year even a little bit, and we're all just running around trying to figure out what the hell they're doing out there. I mean, false starts, bad. I mean, just their mental errors alone outside of the schematics are insane. It's like I, I I put in a tweet like I mean, it it didn't get enough play at the time. I'm not really sure why. Probably because it was the outcome was better than we thought. But I mean, Notre Dame went to Georgia and and they didn't have the silent snap count ready to go. I mean, I I I, I can't even believe that. I don't even know what to say. How is that even yeah, possible? I, I don't get it. <laughs> this is like, like it was like against Michigan. You had they had it so. The the uh, the light was the knee up was a signal motion, but knee up was also to signal a snap. That's why that ball hit Komet. Like how the hell is that bringing up? Like it just like Kelly talks about all these details, pay attention to detail, this and that. That is coaching right there. It, you know your players are going out there doing what you tell them to. Book lifts up his knee, you set into motion. Book lifts up his knee, you snap the ball. Hey, that's at the same time, y'all. I, how does that get overlooked on the on an away game? That's a, that's why I don't I don't really know. That's why I didn't really I didn't know what to write this week. I don't know what to say. <laughs> like it, it's like I don't I I don't know how to even feel really because if what? like what we've seen if, if this is possible then then anything you know like I'm I'm basing on. The, you know, my prediction of 35-20 or 35-17 is just basically that's what I've seen against previous opponents, like like opponents, like Louisville or Virginia. But like what we saw against Michigan, I mean, it's just a total collapse with no real good reason for it other than it was a big game. It just a total the defense had no idea what they were doing. They never got it figured out. The offense never, never looked good. Not like maybe you could pick out a handful of plays, maybe ten plays, out of however many they had. Generous. It's just like it's, I don't know. Like it, it's like ready to move on since like Sunday morning. Yeah, and I, you know, but I just, I keep falling back into it because. It's hard to move forward when you have no idea what the hell just happened. Yeah. Like, it's like, like, how do you get dropped off in the middle of the wilderness? How do you know where to go if you don't know where you came from? Right. You, know, you have no idea. And that's kind of what this week feels like. You know, that we just got dropped off in the middle of fucking nowhere, you know, without a map, without a compass. 
and told to get there, but you don't know where you were even at. It's a, it's a, it's a different, it's a, I don't know. It's what makes like the Miami game, you know, in 2017, I, I felt like we moved on pretty good. Like after a couple days, and I can't say that about this game. Like we're all still sitting here, lamenting over what happened and trying to, and trying to like unpack everything we saw, and we're not there yet. And there's a game to you know. I'm on the East Coast. It's one, it's one fifty right now. Recording on a Friday. There's a game tomorrow, and you know, I'm still unpacking the last game. Whereas I think Miami 2017, we knew. What ha- I mean, I think you knew what happened, and you were able to say this, that, and this, and move on towards the next game, and that's just not that's just not happening right now. So hopefully, hopefully the coaches are, I mean, because they offered nothing, right? Like there, there's been little reasons given. Kelly's whole body language during that Michigan game, I don't know if it was just because of the rain. There was a different look and a different feel. From Kelly than what we'd seen. Like, like I, I was wondering if he was sick. He didn't even seem that pissed off. He didn't know what was going on. Yeah, like he was shell. I mean, he looked. He, he didn't have the answers. He did not. You know, I don't know if like all the bad press about him and blowing up finally has you know has made him way more self conscious than he needs to be. But he just he absolutely looked shell shocked and. Like, like he was trying to stay calm for the team. But really, I think at that point, they kind of needed a fucking stick up their ass. You know, I, maybe he needed to go and yell at a coach. I don't, I don't know. Look at, pull out a mirror and yell at himself. Something. It just, everything seemed dead. Even the coach, who everyone says blows up, seemed dead out there. I and think that, that. To me, that is, like, that's a scary thought. So, so you're a dad. And I think one thing that Kelly has learned and that I think all parents learn is in the beginning, you yell sometimes for the sake of yelling just because you're upset. And then as you move on, you kind of learn, like, I'm only going to yell for a purpose, like if, if, right. if the yelling is necessary. Right. And I think for Kelly, he's figured out I'm not going to yell at them. Just because I'm angry, I'm going to yell at them to get some sort of result out of it. And I think that watching that game, he saw a bunch of problems that he didn't anticipate, and he wasn't sure. I don't. I don't, honestly, I don't think he's still sure. Um, he wasn't sure how to handle it. He didn't know how to solve it. And instead of just blowing up at them, I think he was literally just standing there trying to decide. How do we solve the problem of we have eight people in this box and we're we're, we're run we're run blitzing and we're just getting blown away and I don't know how to solve the problem of us calling this play and we have two people wide open and our quarterback looks in a clean pocket and he doesn't throw it to them I don't know what to do about that and. I don't blame him because I also don't know what to do about it. And that's why I don't know what to write. It's like, I don't know how many times 
Like I've already written my Ian book breakdowns. I can't write another breakdown showing all the receivers running wide open and him not throwing it to them. Like I can't do that again. I don't want to do that again. It is. It, like, is it is the most redundant thing. This week has been – this week really has been hell. And listen, <laughs> on top of it all, buddy, I crushed my head the other day. Like, I'm on full, like, concussion protocol, I swear to God. What? Like, I was like – oh, dude, I, I just absolutely smoked my head, right? <laughs> to the point where to the point for, like, eight hours I thought I, I was on the verge of puking. Like, it was bad. Like I've had, oh my God. I've had quite a few concussions before in my life, so I know when one comes on, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so that happened, and I, I had a hard time talking. I had a, <laughs> felt like I was gonna puke, and then all sorts of shit going on, and my wife's pissed off at me because I'm not going to the hospital, and I'm like, you know, she's a nurse, so she's yeah. like, she wants to smack me upside the head. She has a better sense not to, obviously. So I got that going on, right? So I can't really think straight and try to deal with all. The, try to deal with how do I, how do I break down the game that I saw when I can barely talk, you know? And then D- Dylan smacks me in the head. <laughs> Jay gets the things going in my head again. And we're just like say. we're just playing around, right? And he just like straight up right hooks me, like out of nowhere, like sucker punch me, and I'm he about knocked his old man out, four year old. And then, like, an hour after that, I go to leave, and I go to get in the car, and I smoke my head in the car. Like, get, like you get it? Like, my head is loose right now, Chief. And trying to, <laughs> like, trying to think of, like, other things other than what I a- absolutely know. So, like, the Michigan game is, like, embedded in my head, and that's really, like, all I can think about. So, yeah, it, it's, been a rough, it's been a rough week for uh, Papa Bowles. Uh, deal with all that. So yeah, like, what do you write? I mean, I think everybody on the beat is like that right now. I mean, like, how do you? What do you say? And like, how unexciting is Virginia Tech? You know, coming. I mean, it's just not an exciting game. You know, it's. it's I don't know if it's better to have a team like that or like. Like, like a really good, like, top 15 team coming to Notre Dame. Would that be a better cure for him this week? You know, something to get more focused on? Or, yeah, you know, I don't know. And, and for us, like, is it something that we can, like, focus on? But instead, we, you got this kind of mediocre-ish, you know, not kind of mediocre-ish Virginia Tech team that's been really weird over the last few years. And it's just not exciting. I mean, nobody gets to write about a fucking intro, you know, all week long. Right. Except for me. I'll, I'll continue to trash it. You do love the inter-Sandman. Um, uh, it's the most overrated piece of crap ever. So, but, yeah, so it, th- this is us, right? This is us just, like, looking ahead of the Virginia Tech game, and then you're, like, stepping right back into the shed where the Michigan game's at. And, and going on and on about that again because you you're just not too sure if you if that shed's gonna burn down on you or not. Right. I'm I'm I think Virginia Tech is actually the perfect type of opponent. Um, 
just because like thankfully they're five and two. Um, like if they were four and three, like what they won last week, like forty three to forty one, right? In six overtimes. Right. So the the stigma behind like a four and three team is a lot different than five and two. Like five and two, like, oh, okay, like, you know, that's not bad. They've won three in a row. Um but like Notre Dame also knows we're better than them. I, so I think it's it's a quality opponent that they will take seriously, but they also know that the focus is more on us in the way that we play. Because you play like a top 15 team. I mean, who's – just give me an example. I don't know. It's just some, some top 15 team where it's Auburn. like – Auburn. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Auburn. Jesus. Okay. If they were playing Auburn, I would be. I would be. Yes. Top fifteen team. Auburn. I I I want them playing a team where they say to themselves, "If we play well, we'll win." Whereas I don't want them to play a team right now that it's like we could play well and lose. I don't want that. Okay. So we're gonna. Wrap this up real quick, but but I do want to ask you this one last one last thing because there's been so much talk of it lately, and especially because of the of Notre Dame, they're you know they're out of the playoff. That's that's history. That's gone. They're also out of the Orange Bowl, which I was one of the few one of the that few of the many people that misunderstood Notre Dame's arrangement with the ACC and their bowls. I still thought they were able to be in the Orange Bowl if they were within one game of the non-ACC champion that would be, you know, I mean, that kind of thing. I was wrong about that. So it's like Cotton Bowl or bust for Notre Dame. And it's sitting at number 16 right now. Now, look, the college football playoff rankings still need to come out, right, the first set. So who knows where they're going to put everybody at. But let's just say that Notre Dame stays on the trajectory that they're at and they keep winning. They're going to be within – they're probably going to be inside the top 10 by the end of the season if they keep winning. As insane as that sounds – at 16 and six weeks left, they can be inside the top 10 if they just keep winning. Mm-hmm. Go to the Cotton Bowl. Let's just say they play an undefeated SMU team. Are you excited about that? Yes. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because for them to win five straight, regardless of the fact that um, – Regardless of like none of the teams are going to be quote unquote tonight, so there's no no app state tonight now. Oh, okay, all right. So there's you know regardless of whether or not they win the next five games and they're not like quote unquote quality teams or whatever quality wins. All those teams require good play, and so to win those games, you got to play good. For five straight weeks, they just in November, and they will have beaten Stanford on Thanksgiving. So ah. look, I, I think that we'll we'll be if if we get to ten and two, that they're playing good football, and I want to see a team play good football. I don't really care what's against. If it's a Cotton Bowl, great. I like the Cotton Bowl, Jerry World, right? That's fun. Yeah, I mean the the other options. Still are Camping World Bowl, Gator Bowl. I would think that Notre Dame would bypass the Camping World, which would be against Big 12. 
to take a Gator Bowl bid against an SEC school, but that's that's a conversation for three or four weeks down the road still. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I, I mean I just flat out feel if Notre Dame wins out, they'll be in the Cotton Bowl. I don't, I don't have too much hesitation in saying that. And I just don't really care who they play. You know, think of all the and but people have been bitching saying you know that's oh it's going to be a group of five team yada yada. Think of all the years their names like I want to say snuck into the to a New Year's Six bowl game, but like but kind of snuck in. And not only that, but drew the absolute worst matchup alive in those Ohio State 2015, LSU 2006, like terrible, terrible matchups. Right. And so those all counted. So. If they if they play SMU or Cincinnati or Appalachian State or or whoever the Boise State whoever the Group of Five team that's going to come out of it, you know if they do, I mean that they, they don't have to take the best Group of Five. I just with the way their parameters are, you're going to think that probably one of them is going to going to be able to to make it there. I'm fine with that, and, you know, I, and I know it won't be. You're going to look back at the Michigan game. You're going to look back at the Georgia game. And the season is a failure, and I get that. But at the same time, you had a so okay, so you had a failure of a season, and yet you still managed to win eleven games, a New Year's Six game, which you haven't won since 90, 93, 94. I'll t- I won't say I'll take that as like a yeah, I'll take that. But I mean, I'll take that then. I mean, if that's a if that's a failure of a season, okay, it was a failure of a season. Yet you still knocked out a lot of other goals you know that that would include your home winning streak continuing that would include you know that would breaking your losing streak out in stanford there's all sorts of things that you can kind of because a lot of these guys are coming back next year you know save the debate for ian book and what he does with his extra year of eligibility aside you know the entire offensive line is they are going to come back next year you're gonna have all these players but chase claypool will be gone Chris Stink will be gone, uh, but Kevin Austin should be back off suspension. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have a lot, you know, a lot of your defensive players will be back. Uh, Kyle Hamilton will be a full-time starter next year. You're going to have a lot of good pieces in place <clears throat> next year. So ending on a good note, regardless of the failure, quote-unquote, of the season, ending at 11-2 and two with the New Year's Six Bowl game, you know, there is a thing, there is a, thing called momentum going into spring and you'll have a little bit of that i mean look what they did look what they did against lsu in the in the music city bowl or excuse me the citrus bowl mm-hmm. you know 2017 you win that momentum going to spring and then they had an undefeated regular season in 2018 all that shit ties in together if someone wants to be mad about 11 and 2 then they can it's not going to be me yeah, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna. It's not, not gonna be me. <laughs> That's fine. Like, I'm not gonna if, go around if, the streets of Ohio with my flag, you know, talking shit. But at the same time, okay, eleven and two is like right where a lot of people put us at, anyways. So one of your losses that 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 you kind of figured they'd lose anyways was way crazy, lops, more lopsided than what you thought. Well, there was some shitty weather. There's a whole bunch of mixture of things. You could put into it and say, yeah, that was just a dump game. Because you still went down to Georgia, and I know we did not win. And that's a big deal with everybody's, you know, no moral victories. 
but you still played a really good Georgia team in a hostile environment, crazy night game down there, and you had the ball left with two, the ball with two minutes left to win the game. That's a big step forward, even though you just took a big step back against Michigan. I I just feel that the program is still moving in an upward trajectory, just not on a steep incline. I think the thing that we're all afraid of now is that the Michigan game is indicative that the program isn't what we think it is. And if they rebound and win five straight, then win the bowl game and they go 11 and two, then to me, that's evidence that actually, no, the program is what we think it is. That game was an outlier. I don't know why. You don't sit there, and I'm not sitting here thinking that Notre Dame is a championship-level We weren't really thinking championship-level team before the season, right? Like We thought like if we had some things go right, we could make it in the playoffs. But I don't think either one of us or mo- most of my staff, I don't think anybody was saying, like, yeah, we have a chance to win the national title this year. Like We, we, kinda, we knew where we were at as a program. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying makes a lot of sense, right? Like You're basically where you – thought you were just it just went about it a different way this year yeah i mean i like we need we know what we need to i mean if you get to the playoffs you got to beat like clemson and bama like in consecutive weeks like that's (laughs) that like this team i don't think anyone thought this team had that we want to make the playoffs that was the goal to make the playoffs and win one of the games win the first one somehow Anyway, but, yeah, but if that doesn't happen and you go 11 and two, you know, if you want to make the argument that the, the program is going backwards, then you can make it. But I don't I don't think that's correct at 11 and two. It just isn't, you know, that's at, right at nine and three or, or at, at ten and three. I, I, there's, I think there is room for, for that argument. And that's a, slim, that's a slim margin of error, you know, one more game. But it's, it, it's all the difference, right? Because, I mean, you should win your next five. Absolutely should. Yes. And that puts you in a bowl game. Like the Camping World Bowl and the Gator Bowl that I talked about, honestly, I mean, I realize, like, SMU's playing out of their mind. But they're in the American. It's still SMU, so you should yeah. beat them in that bowl game, right? Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if you're playing Baylor or Texas in the Camping World or Auburn, who scares the shit out of me for some reason, <laughs> continue will always scare the shit out of me. You know, in the in the Gator, you know, that's a tougher draw. I, you're right. I I, I just I think that there's still room for this team to to make this season about continually improving the program. Yeah. I mean, I think people make the mistake of thinking because something should happen, that means it's not impressive. It's still impressive. If you, if you win 11 games and you drop two to the two best teams you play, like obviously a missed opportunity, but it's still impressive. It's still a big thing. It goes back to that stat that, that, that was out last night was that 
you know, only Alabama has a longer streak of not losing to an unranked opponent. Notre Dame hasn't lost to an unranked opponent since 2016. By the way, that was Virginia Tech. Alabama, the last time they've lost to an unranked program was in 2007. And those are, the, those are your one and two teams in the country for losing to an unranked program. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, for, for Notre Dame, yeah. You beat the teams. I mean, no one's impressed by beating the teams you should beat. And Notre Dame, over that, court, over that span, 2017 to now, has been a ranked team. So they should be beating ranked, these unranked teams, right? But then you look across the country, and only Alabama has done it better. Like even Cle- even Clemson has lost unranked to an un- loss of Syracuse or to Pitt. It, it still says a lot about your program that you're able to to take care of business. I mean, taking care of business isn't as easy as as it sounds. And if you're the type of person who who wants to say, well, how do we turn the corner at eleven and two? Then look at the 2020 and 2021 recruiting classes. And there's your answer. Cause there's some freaking ballers who are committed. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're not on campus yet, but there are some dudes that are coming. Look, there's going to be plenty and, of people. I mean, there's going to be plenty of people shouting us down. You know, right now someone's probably crashing their car yelling at us because, you know, they will still point out because they're so anti Kelly and look, I'm not here to change anybody's mind, really. I'm just, I'm stating my opinion, and I think you're the same way. I don't think you're trying to change anyone's mind. You're just stating your opinion and, and how you feel about the program. And that's, where, you know, that's just kind of where we feel that they're at. I think you and I are, are, are close to the same opinion anyways about, about where they're at, where they can be, and how the future really looks, as opposed to just, like, throwing every, every – detail against the wall and, and you know stabbing it with a spork i, I, I don't even know the right metaphor to use uh, <laughs> but, just, they, but just, they still have to win the next five yeah i mean they still have i mean we're talking we're sitting here talking like it was in a season you're right they right. still have it's to go hypothetical out. it has to happen i'm just right. saying like if it does then and you look at 11 and 2 i mean what <laughs> that's good like i don't i don't understand if, if you're going to be upset about that, you, you have to be like people always, like the person who always is mad about like the 11 and two because they lost to Michigan and Georgia. Like those are the quote unquote realists. Well, then you need to be real about like what's going on right now. And I want to know what, the, what are they being real about? Like how old, you know, how old are you? I'm 41 years old. <laughs> I'm, I'm 10 years. <laughs> I love saying, I love saying that. I'm 41 years old. The last national championship Notre Dame won that's recognized by everybody was in 88 when I was 10 years old. I was 15 in 1993. And I'm 41. That is a long-ass time ago. So yeah. where is your, if your standard is still that high, I'm not sure where you're living at. Like how, I mean, even the guys who are 51, you still have seen that we have gone this long like, 91, 92, 93 was the last time Notre Dame won double-digit wins three seasons in a row. And I did a story last week that, that stated, stated that, but, like, you know, I showed the differences. Like, it was, it was a much more impressive three-year streak then because, you know, three bowl wins. They, they were 4-1 against top five teams during right. that streak, all that. 
but it's still the first time you've gone, you would have gone to three years winning double digit games. How, how is that hurting you? How is that? How are you like ready to throw everything in the trash can? Or it, what even bothers me even more is that people are like, oh, I'm, not, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not want to watch them anymore. I mean, you've been going decades with, with just garbage. And now we finally get a guy who's winning double-digit games all the time, double-digit seasons, and it's like, oh, we got to get rid of him too. It's like, what, what are you doing? Why are we doing that? Like, you know, in 2016, I was on the let's get rid of him. There was enough I saw during that season where I was like, nope, this cannot change, and we must change it to move forward. And then Brian Kelly surprises a lot of people. I mean, that was a huge thing that he did to bring it all back around, and I just didn't think he had it in him, and he did. So I'll give him all the credit in the world. So, you know, I'm back on board with, like, like I'm not saying I'm, like, completely fine with everything that's going on, but we're in a lot better shape. We're in a lot better shape. And for people that think you can just dump a coach like Brian Kelly and get somebody better, those better coaches, quote-unquote, they're going to see the way that the school and the program and the fans had treated a coach who has won multiple Coach of the Year awards, took your team to the playoff, to the national championship game, has has got all these wins, and they're going to see how what happened to him and be like, nah, dog. I'm better off somewhere else than to deal with that kind of fucking pressure. You know, nothing's going to be, nothing's good for these people. Why would it? And that's it right there. Notre Dame just cannot go grab anybody they want. Urban Meyer proved that when he left fucking Utah. He was at Utah and Notre Dame couldn't, you know, they lost out to Florida for that mix. Why? Because Bob Davey told him to be easier for a national title in Florida. And he was right. He wasn't wrong. He was right. Now, say whatever you want about Urban, and we can say a ton about scruples and all sorts of shit, but he was proven right. And that's not something that's not unknown in the coaching circles. Yeah. You, you, you want to get rid of a coach that wins 33 games in three years. I mean, who, who's trying to sign up for that? Well, not, not me. Not tonight. Not, not me. <laughs> You know, come holler at me in Palo Alto if there's a couple more losses after the season. Uh, maybe I'll be in a fit of rage. I'm an emotional guy. We'll, we'll obviously cross that had, bridge. It's fine. I'm just saying it's had head injuries, and it's probably susceptible to mood changes. <laughs> so, so, you know, who knows what my, mind, my, what my mindset will be uh, if that happens. All right, we're going to go. Uh, thanks for listening. This went a little over. Greg, I appreciate you. Uh, coming on the show and, uh, and doing this. I hope this sounds all right for everybody. Like I said, I am literally in the middle of an industrial wasteland. I cannot believe a siren didn't just blast for 30 seconds. Um, and, I, and your kids slept. That's, that's they great. Did. Nothing happened. Thank goodness. And Halloween, baby. Hey, go to Mass tomorrow. Everybody get there. Uh, say a prayer for me in my head. Go Irish. Go Irish. <laughs>